to the Spinner's Lit Pinball Podcast, episode 53, The Fallout Shelter. I'm your host, Spencer, and with me are my co-hosts, Dan. Hey, what's going on, guys? And Mark. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. And our very special guest, Jim Martin. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. I want to get really deep into this, but before I do, I'm going to quick segue and... uh Um, Because you and Mark are going to fill up most of tonight's episode. So, Dan, give me an update on what you've been doing since last month. Oh, sure. Well, I was actually just up at Press Start the other day, and I got a chance to uh, check out some of uh, Jim's handiwork firsthand. It's, you know, it's an amazing venue, and they've got an amazing selection of games. I'm always really, really... uh, Really, really glad to go up there and play. And I think that the most amazing thing is they have just a huge range of machines. You know, you'll go in there, they'll have EMs right up to the very newest, best and brightest. And I think everything's uh, 50 cents or less a play, which you just do not see in location games these days. Um, But for myself, I just finished... uh, interleague finals for the capital corridor pinball league which is our our local pinball league and i got there i slimed in by taking a third place finish uh, a couple seasons ago and i did not win just so you know uh our our man hector villalobos from norsac league he won so congratulations to him and the definitely gutsiest performance of the whole uh day went to uh jeff claybaugh who came in ranked last and endured 10 or 11 rounds before they finally managed to knock him out. It was a, a elimination format where you play a four player game, player four leaves. And then the next person up the bracket moves down in, and then you play another four player game and player four leaves. So that was a lot of pinball before, uh, before they managed to get him out of there. So just a super fun day, and as always, a big thanks to Mike Hozier and uh, all the Capital Corridor uh, managers for helping make that happen. Uh, myself, I manage Lodi, and then uh, David Hozier manages Folsom, and David Randolph is the manager of North Sac these days. Besides that, not too much. I did just get a twinkling backboard mod for my Pirates of the Caribbean. I'll have to uh, install here in the next few days. Oh, nice. Nice. So you uh, you did fairly well, and then it sounds like I Dan. came in like in the second round. So I came in pretty low, and I think I might have lasted three rounds. I didn't win anything. I just got bounced right out. However, afterwards <laughs> we started playing dollar games, and I started kicking ass. I probably won five in a row. Story of my life, man. I really like that format. Huh? I really like that ladder bracket style format. I think it's a fun. Yeah, format. you know it's. It's brutal when you come in at the bottom, right? It's a gauntlet. It's endurance. It's a gauntlet. And that's. But then if you come in in the middle, you kind of come in cold and you're right. like, okay. And, and you could have one, you can be one exactly. and done. You know? So it, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot yeah, of pressure. Yeah, that happened over and over. So there's, there's, you know, two ways to really look at it too. As like you said, if you come in early, you know, you, you can flame out. If you come in late, you can get iced and, uh, I think it's really exciting because, you know, again, you look at a guy like like Jeff Claybaugh, he came in and just, you know, became the star of the show because, you know, everybody wanted to see somebody go, you know, run the Royal Rumble from first to 30th. Right. And I think we had uh, 
We have 24 qualifiers. I think 18 showed up. And so, you know, there was there was a pretty big field for this. Oh, and it was it was hosted by our, our man, Shannon. Uh, we didn't do it at Mike's house this year. We did it at Shannon's. And of course, he's got such a such a crazy, cool game selection. The Treehouse Spectacular. Oh, his his right? collection's going nuts. Like just every time you turn around, he's picked up some other cool, weird game. But yeah, it was it was a really fun, you know, a really fun format. And finals, you know, there's no whoppers on the line in finals. Uh, All our whoppers are regular season. You know, you're pretty much just playing for playing for glory and for the trophy. So uh, winner takes all. But yeah, it's it's a really fun day. So, um, Mark, why don't you uh, tell us, uh, introduce Jim properly and tell us how you got, you know, just give us an overview. All right. So I got a great friend of mine, Jim Martin. Uh, he's happy to be on the show today. And it's awesome because he runs everything over at Press Start. Uh, he is in charge of making sure all the games work properly, along with Kevin Woods. And those two work really well together to keep those games in perfect shape so that when we have our tournaments and for the public that comes in to Press Start, they're always guaranteed to have those games running perfectly. Uh, Jim, I've known for a couple of years now. Uh, I met him over at a party uh, over at uh, Rick Bartlett. He had a little pinball get together and I got to meet him face to face. And from that day on, we became friends and he's come a long way from having just a small collection to having a collection now that is twice, if not three times the size. And also, making pinball happen in Reno. I started it off and kind of kickstarted it to get people interested with league. And now Jim is doing an amazing job spreading that news to everybody. And every single time we get new players and he's going to talk a lot about that, of how our pinball community is growing in Reno and it is growing leaps and bounds. So Jim, thanks a lot for being on the show. And, uh, Glad that you're here to talk about everything that's happening in Reno with pinball. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Spencer. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. As Mark said, I uh, I am an employee at Press Start Reno. Uh, I am the main game tech there. So I'm responsible for upkeep on all the games. I help decide what games we should try and bring in, uh, make sure all the games are running good and uh, do game rotation and, and set up. <clears throat> and then I also have my own shop where I do game restoration. And I have, as Mark said, I have 18 plus games currently in my personal collection. Uh, but yeah, most of my daytime is spent at press start. You don't really see me there because I'm there in the morning getting everything ready. And then hopefully when I leave, they open up and everything runs well for the day. That's my goal. That's a good goal. And that's kind of, you know, one of the things that, you know, I want to throw you big props for is you're you're the the manager, the, the head of the Reno Pinball League, right? And I've yes. played in several of your Tuesday night events and I think one or two of your events. Yeah, you've come up to to the to the Tuesdays for sure. Have you played in one of the Saturdays I, as well? Yeah, we made it out there for at least one of them. I know we brought a whole bunch of uh NorCal people that day. And that's correct. Actually, that was a day I wasn't there. It I missed is just, that one always a really good time they get groups of up to 40 people and you know the vibe is super good everyone's having a lot of fun uh 
you know, the cost to enter is, is not expensive and there's a lot of pinball included. So if you are in the Reno or the Northern California area and you feel like just checking out the Reno Pinball League for some of their events, it's it's worth a couple hours driving. I'll, I'll give it a lot of credit for that. So. Yeah, well, it's, Appreciate it's that. so awesome. It's so much fun. And what's so great is Jim has a way of being or is he, he has a great way of inviting new players. And I'm amazed, Jim, how you make your little talk every time before we start a tournament sound like it's new every time. I'd be like bored. bored <laughs> for it. But you do it so well and you explain it so clearly. And it's really good that you lay the foundation and the rules to let people know this is what is expected before we start this tournament. And that's when we run into less problems because they say, hey, if, you, if you didn't listen to what we were doing, uh, sorry, but those are the rules. And most people comply to it and there's not any issues. Um, and the other thing I commend you is that when there are decisions that have to be made, you basically just say, hey, it, this is it. This is the way it goes and live with it, deal with it. And they usually do. And you can move on. I mean, I, I screwed up one time. I played out of order. I'm saying it right on the air, but I did. I played out of order. I wasn't paying attention. I was supposed to play on an EM and uh, I had to uh, get a zero. So yeah, it happens. But uh, it, it's really appreciative that, that you do a great job in encouraging new players and also solidifying the expectations whenever we have a large gathering of people playing competitively. Yeah, it's um, it's important to me because my history with pinball tournaments is I played in a tournament at California Extreme was the first pinball tournament I ever played in. And I don't know, you know, I, I literally knew nobody, but I also didn't really know what I was doing. And I didn't feel like anybody wanted to tell me, you know, I was like, okay, I really felt like I was out on an island. And so... When I started, when I started to do wanting to do tournaments, you know, uh, Mark, you and I, we, when Press Start first opened, we started to think about what we wanted to do. And we started with a league and then we kind of quickly realized that there just, there aren't a lot of points to be made, right? There aren't a lot of whopper points to be made in a league um, as opposed to having multiple tournaments in a month, say if you have a six week league and then you have a finals, you only get one kind of entry into the IFPA. But if you have tournaments every week, you get a weekly entry into the IFPA point system. And my goal when I started was very simple. I just wanted to qualify somebody, anybody from Northern Nevada to be able to play in the state championships. That was my goal. But aside from that, what I wanted to do was I wanted any player that played in one of my tournaments to feel like they were number one, they understood exactly what was expected of them, that it was the same, it was very consistent from, from tournament to tournament. And I wanted them to feel like if they went to another tournament, a more went to a national tournament or even, you know, just a Sacramento tournament or what have you, that they wouldn't feel like they were a small fish in a big pond, that they would understand what, what, what tournament play was. That was my goal going in. And I think I've done a pretty good job of, of executing on that goal. The very first year that I started doing tournaments, which was, of course, pre-pandemic. So uh, mm -hmm. 2018 pinball year, we actually did qualify, I think, two or three players to go and play in the state finals. 
And that to me was a huge win, you know, and, and that was a tough year, you know, in the start of the year, you know, we had to scrape together players occasionally. I, I occasionally I'd even have to make, you know, enter myself in and I'd be the fourth player just so we could get four players in a tournament sometimes. And to think about where that started and now where it is now, where, you know, yeah, just this year. So we've had four tournaments this year. We've had new people every time we've had. 36, 34, 40 players. And last this week was uh, 39 players. So those are huge numbers. And again, brand new people every single time. That is amazing to me. Like you said, my, uh, my speech at the beginning, <laughs> occasionally I get to the point where I wish I, wish I wouldn't have any new players. Because if I didn't have any new players, I could maybe not say the speech every time. But uh, I think it's important. I think it's important for people to hear the rules, understand the rules and, and know that, you know, like in life, there are no dumb questions. If you don't know what you're doing, I want you to raise your hand and get a clear answer. I don't want you to move forward and play a pinball game where you're not understanding, because if you don't understand what you're doing, you're not going to have any fun. And if you don't have any fun, you're not coming back. For and sure. I think that's so true with what you're saying, because that is exactly what's happening. People are coming back and that is kind of a, a good problem to have, but it's like, we always are hitting 40 because the people are not turned away and they, they have the opportunity to continue and get better. And one of the things that we've always had arguments with other people that have looked at it in a negative light is that if there's somebody who always wins, then it turns people away and they don't want to come back. But I'm seeing more and more people who started off pretty much at a novice level are becoming really good players and having that desire to try to get in the top eight or whatever is really motivating for them instead of the outlook of saying, well, this person's always going to win. So I've... I shouldn't even bother coming. Uh, that's not what I see at Press Start. I see people wanting to play better. And not only that, but they're encouraged to come in outside of the tournament time and practice. And that brings business and coin drops and whatever, um, or getting some drinks to, uh, to keep the business going. So that's really nice that you do that. Yeah, and I think uh, this year, so all of last year, my Tuesday night tournaments, my goal was to make it so it was fast, basically. I wanted people to know that they could get in and out. It's a work day for everybody for the most part. So, you know, I tried to end it pretty early. And so I was doing a target match play tournament. So the first person to 16 points, tournament's over. Uh, we used Papa scoring. And it, it was good. It was fine. But because I let the software handle tiebreakers, and I used Swiss pairing. The problem was it turned a little less social because you ended up playing the same four or six people all tournament because you'd have the same scores. And the winner came from kind of a pool of six people-ish, you know. So I just wanted to change that up. So this year I added a finals component to my tournaments. So now there's five rounds of qualifying and then the top eight people qualify for finals. And that allowed me to, number one, I could now do a balanced pairing of players. So you were playing more people. You were playing new people. There was a little more social aspect to the qualifying. And I think what it really did was, and it gave anybody in the top eight, 
they had a chance to win. And that's, that's huge for people's motivation to think they're having a good time, to want to come back and to want to improve is they actually see a chance that they can actually improve and get better and make it to the qualifying and make it to the finals. And another thing that it really does is just adding that simple finals component. It adds an unmeasurable amount of pressure because when you're just playing to 16 points, it's like, okay, well you just, you know, you have your beer, you play your pinball. And when you get to 16, you're done. But now you do that for five rounds, the top eight points goes into finals. And now there's that pressure of like, oh, now these games matter. Not that the other games don't matter, but you know what I mean? Some people, they don't really start paying attention until they get some kind of pressure. And I think it's going to really kind of tournament harden our players. You know, I, I feel like a couple of people that went down to the state finals this year, they maybe weren't quite ready for that 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 tournament hardened feeling, and I hopefully this new tournament style that I'm running now will will give them that kind of that weekly pressure and let them kind of get used to that because it truly is a different feeling when you're playing under the kind of pressure of finals, similar like we were talking about Dan with your ladder tournaments. Right. It's like there's a lot of pressure to say, okay, I've sat here for four games, now I got to jump in. I'm player four, and I've got to perform right now, or I'm done. You know, for a social That's environment, I really liked your first to sixteen format. I mean, it did sort of feel like we're playing, we're playing, we're playing. Oh, we're done. But there was something to be said for you know, you know, watching watching the standings and and maybe even being able to sneak in there if you weren't the leader. Like when I, one of the times that I went, I took a, I took a podium finish, but the other guy with us did, did too. I don't, I remember who won. I think it was one of the regulars and it was really exciting because I guess he was a guy who played with you guys a lot and didn't often win. So it's always amazing to see somebody that isn't usually a winner come up. We had a, a lady uh, take first in our last uh, league night at Lodi uh, Kendra, who normally, you know, she's a solid player, but she's, you know, usually not a top half player. And, you know, it's really exciting for someone unexpected to win. I like the fact that now you guys have a playoff format because it's going to definitely, you know, mix it up. You're going to get people. It's not just going to be, you know, uh, a mark running to the end and us just sort of trying to get into his, his slipstream. But, you know, we're going to have to get in there and uh, and earn it. Yeah, I really like it. And like I said, we've had four weeks we've had four different winners so i can't ask for anything more that's yeah, really absolutely. a good point um that you know dan made a good point you're all making good points this is really cool um when you talked about you know going to and california experience is a pretty major major tournament uh i did my very first uh competitive tournament at pinagoga the first year they had had a tournament and that was uh oh gosh about 12 years ago Knew, like you knew nobody, but uh, luckily Johnny Johnny O, local tournament guy out of the Bay Area, uh, had the same kind of philosophy you do. It's like it's great for beginners, and then we and we did pinball, which was really fun. So I kind of got the bug there, and uh, and you know started going from from there on. Um, but it made it real nice because the rules were explained. People were you know if you ask questions even in your group. Um, you know, people are like, oh yeah, just, you know, this is basically how you do it. Like, oh, okay. And they kind of walk you through it, but, you know, you're, you were new. So you weren't just kind of a fish out of water. Um, want to key on something real quick. I've been doing, uh, a lot of traveling the last 
Well, I don't know what since 2019 when uh, my wife and I decided that we're going to leave California. So I've been to pinball like, everywhere we travel. It's like, okay, well, on the map, we're going to go to these pinball locations. And I finally got to get out to press start last January. And uh, Dan and I met in Sacramento and then, cause that's where I used to live. And I had to fly out for business. And then uh, we drove up, Dan drove us up and we met up with, with Mark and we finally got to see your location. And I've been to a lot of locations uh, all the way out into the Midwest. And uh, uh, you guys deserve, you deserve kudos, uh, Jim, you really do. Uh, Your group, uh, Press Start, not only the, not only like Dan said, you know, the, the variety of pins you have, but the fact that every pin there um, at the time was clean, working, well lit. You know, I play again, I play a lot of games all over at just, you know, different collectors' homes, um, you know, on location at shows. Um, your Twilight Zone played perfect. I mean, as good as any home collection one I've ever played. Not saying something because that game never works right on location. And uh, so kudos to you, you know, and, and your team for all you do, um, because there's nothing worse than, you know, when you talk to somebody and they go on location, they play a pinball game and, you know, nothing's working. The flippers aren't working right. You know, you've been there. You've seen it yourself. And it can really sour people. And I don't like pinball. They, you know, they're broken. They never work. You know, it's a ripoff. And so when people come in and they play games that are well lit, that are clean, that are working properly and they relax in fun environment, that's, you know, really, really stepping up and being a good ambassador for the sport and the hobby of pinball. So kudos to you, sir. I had another point because Mark, I was going to dovetail off Mark, but it's been a long day. So um, I'm going to let you get back to it. Well, I just want to say thanks a lot for that. And, it can't be said enough that we are lucky here in Reno that we have a great partner in Press Start, uh, the Press Start Reno Arcade Lounge. They they care. They care that, you know, they care that, that the people who come in want to have a good time. They want them to have a good time. And they, I think that we really benefit from the owner-operator scenario. You know, there isn't a middleman that we have to deal with. If, if I need to fix a game, I can just fix a game. I don't have to call an operator. I don't have to worry about who's got the key. Uh, you know, it's, these games are owned by press start operated by press start. So, and they're, they're an unbelievable partner. Honestly, we couldn't be doing it without such a great partner. You know, he allows me to have the games on free play for our tournaments. So you pay your $5 buy-in on a Tuesday night and you're going to play pinball for three or four hours on that $5. Uh, all the practice time. There's no coin drop whatsoever. The only coin drop is at the end of the night. I will put the games back onto coin play and then people will, you know, usually play stall ball or dollar games. But yeah, uh, you know, we are very lucky to have John Simpson as the owner there. And we're very lucky to have Press Start Reno as a, as our kind of home location because they have treated us well over the years. That's for sure. And one thing that's really interesting is we were really afraid that that wouldn't continue when COVID hit and John still had the drive and the dream to have it at a new location. And I commend him for persevering and not giving up and making it happen because now it's pretty close to back to normal. And we have 40 people showing up to have fun playing competitive pinball. It's just amazing to see what's happening uh, in the growth of players and taking pinball seriously, but at the same time, uh, having fun, uh, but learning 
real competition pinball and being prepared. So when they go to other places, they know what to expect. So that's awesome. Thank you, Mark. Um, you made another great point and you reminded me of what I forgot. Um, we were talking about, you know, we were down both were talking about, you know, how it, it's not, you know, the same four or six people always in the finals again and again and again. And I was just, I was actually, Kendra hit me up the other night, um, you know, telling me about her first place. And I said, no, you know, it's like, you know, I've seen tremendous growth from you and a lot of other players, which is really neat. They'll come into a league, not a lot of experience. Some of them had just recently discovered pinball. They'll come into a league or a tournament, a little nervous, and you give them a season or two or three, and they're finishing in the top five or the top three on on a night or two of league night or a tournament. And occasionally you'll even see them finish a season in the top three and take home a trophy. Um, so it's really nice to see. And it's nice to, and you kind of, you know, I always make sure to make it a point, go check you out, man. Your third season here and you finish third for the season. That's awesome. You know, or something like that. Or just look at that. You know, you, you finished in the top five twice this season. That's great. And remind them, hey, you're, you're improving. You're getting better. And the most important thing is that they're still having a good time. Because at the end of the day, man, you know, except for, well, you know, for Jim, this is kind of your, well, this is your, 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 you know, how you make a living. For all the rest of us, this is just what we do for fun. So, um, but even though you're doing it for a living, it's great to have a job where you get to have fun doing what you do. It certainly is. That's for sure. I, I, yeah, I fell into this, um, really surprised me, but yeah, it's worked out pretty good for me. Um, and yeah, and with that said, yeah, I, I try and, you know, cause I'm trying to get some people trained up to have some other people who can help direct tournaments and do some co-directing with me. And I tell them that it's, that, that this, the order of importance is number one, people need to have fun. Number two, we need to make sure we're supporting Reno Pinball and supporting Press Start Reno and providing a good light on them. And then number three, and a very distant number three, is we want to make IFPA Whopper points to qualify. Where I think Absolutely. a lot of people go wrong is they put that points as as the first priority. And I think if points are your first priority, you're probably not going to succeed long term. Exactly. And the thing that I found uh, is you came up with the thing I like about you, Jim, is you, you're willing to try something and if it doesn't work or if it needs to be improved, you find a way to make it happen. And one of the things that I saw that was really impressive is you found a format that works, that gives us a pretty good number of IFPA points. And because of that, we had several people from Reno represent in Vegas for the state championships, which is amazing and that was our goal from the beginning let's talk about that because you did qualify mark you along with five other people from northern nevada qualified for the state championships so talk about your experience and whether or not you think what we did in reno and kind of the training that you had helped you or, or didn't help you succeed or fail there well i think we have major competition here in the tournaments themselves uh as we know uh we really fought hard to get those points and be able to get up in that top 16. And it was wonderful to have six people go down, including myself, that uh, if I got that number right, I'm hoping I'm right. That's correct. Uh, Okay. Uh, We went down there and uh, we were able to represent Reno. And what was great about it before I go into the actual competition is we all encouraged each other 
and we all cheered each other on and we went down almost like a family. It was, we were going down there to have fun. We knew that the pressure was on to really see if we could basically go against Vegas and see how we can do competitively against them on their machines, on their own home turf. And it was really great to see, even though not all of us made it to the to the finals or the top four, uh, we all at least made it in the top 16. And it was wonderful because even though I unfortunately got out in the first round, uh, I had to play Dan from Reno. Uh, the other players played players from Las Vegas. So it was a little difficult for me to get in that competitive spirit because I was kind of playing my my opponent, but he was my friend at the same time. So I didn't let up. He played better than me. There's just no doubt about it. And I was really happy to see him move on and not have any grudges like, oh man, I didn't make it. I was upset at myself, but I was cheering on Dan to move on to the next level, uh, onto the next round. Jim went down to cheer us on. He didn't even play in the tournament because he is sacrificing his time and his, his uh, leadership in running tournaments without playing in them because he wants to make sure that if somebody has a question, they go to him and they're, they're not waiting for him to be done with the game that he's there, he's available and he's able to make the decisions, whether it's as a tournament director or if there's an issue with the ball getting stuck or whatever, he's there right away. And having him go down was a way of, of really supporting us. And I thought that was really great that he went down with us to, to cheer us on. And he was there the whole time. So it was wonderful to see that. Yeah, it was, it was really a, a, a great experience. And uh, it was nice to meet the Vegas people too. Uh, we always see them on the list, but we never really get to meet them in person. So they had the games there. They, it was very interesting that they had uh, some Jersey Jacks, which we hardly ever play in tournaments, but they had uh, Toy Story four, which is great because a lot of people got to play it and they had a dialed in. And uh, th those are two Jersey Jacks that were represented. And that was fun. Um, of course, they had some that we had at Press Start. They had a, uh, a Godzilla. And um, the other one was a Deadpool. But we played that before in the past when it was at Press Start. Uh, it's not there anymore. But uh, definitely, we've had experience with that machine. And uh, even No Good Gophers we had one time. It's kind of funny. Some of the games that we had uh, in the past, we got to play there at, at the tournament. Um, but it was just a nice way to to have fun, but at the same time, play as best as we could. And uh, thanks, Jim, for cheering us on. Thank you. And it was important to me to go because I did want to show support. You know, I'm kind of feel like I'm kind of the father of this Northern Nevada pinball tournament stuff. So I wanted to go down there and support my guys. And and I wanted to see how it was run. I wanted to see what it takes to run a state championship level pinball tournament. Yeah, Jim, I do the um, same thing, by the way, at Interleague. Like I was watching the guys who played in my my section. And of course, the one that I claimed, which was Rick. And I was like, you guys got to bring this home. They didn't. But, you know, <laughs> you get into that. <laughs> like, Don't let Norsak show us up. Come on. <laughs> exactly. We exactly. can't get beat by Vegas. So the six <laughs> players that uh, qualified would be um, Ben Hoke, Mark, you, of course, Mark Scoff, uh, Dan Armstrong, uh, David Mosher, Ted McGinty, and Brad Lampkin. And let's not forget as well, we also had two women who played Sunday in the Women's State Championship, 
uh, Daniela, and Michelle. So all together, I guess you could say we had eight people down there playing in the state championships, two in the women's championships and six in the men's in the open championship. But yeah, uh, I think it was interesting. The game selection was very interesting. I, I, it had a lot to be desired from my perspective. There was no EM represented. Uh, and that was a real downfall. In my opinion, pinball tournaments should rep- should be should be able to represent all eras of pinball if you're having a tournament. I think that's important. Um, and then I thought it was interesting that they I feel like they brought in what they thought was going to be a ringer, which was Bonsai Run. <laughs> Little did they know that we had had a Bonsai Run at Press Start for years and years. So uh, I think that surprised them when every time they picked Bonsai Run with one of our players, we all they all knew how to play it. So you know there's a little bit of that stuff going on but i like that kind of competitiveness and and uh yeah it was a good time it was a good time it was interesting to see how it was run it was it made me you know not to sound uh full of myself but it made me feel good about the tournaments that i run i think that i do a good job of running tournaments here and i definitely am up to par with with uh, the tournaments that are being run there so so hopefully my players, you include Mark and everybody else uh, who has talked to me, but most of them all felt very comfortable, felt like they knew exactly what was going on and they didn't have any questions, uh, you know, about, about what was going on. How did you feel about the tournament itself? Did you like that format? Um, just to refresh your memory. So it was uh, 16 players qualified and they did a best of seven bracket tournament. So it was two player games. And you had to win four games to move on. How did you feel about that format, Mark? I, I liked the, the the opportunity to play seven games, um, but it was a lot of pressure when it was like one zero, one one, two one, two two, and that's what happened when I played against Dan. So it was kind of like, oh my gosh, we're tied three three. This is going to determine who who gets it. And uh, it was really neat to have it go back and forth to really to up the ante in the competitive nature to, uh, play as best as you could. And, uh, it's make it or break it. I know I had an issue with, uh, well, let's just put it this way. He slayed me on Avengers. And that was the other one. That was the one I meant to say. That's already a press start too. is uh, Avengers. And that played really well. It had uh, strong flippers. It, we made the shots pretty easy, except there was one shot I could not hit. And it, it just did not stick. And that was the, uh, the lock shot up, uh, up in the, uh, the tower shot that was not working for me. And Dan killed it on his first ball. He had something like over 175 million. I was kind of getting worried when I saw that happen. And I was like, uh, Oh, uh, I ha- I'm going to have a hard time catching up to this. So I got to really have a good ball. And unfortunately I had a house ball on my first ball and that didn't help. So. Uh, I knew I was in real trouble and eventually he took it and that sealed the deal and he was able to move on. So it was very great to see that seven game format because it allowed players to have a chance to catch up if they were falling a little behind rather than just a three game and and you're done. It it gave you a little more chance to catch up and be able to uh, tie up or, or, at least get a couple wins under your belt to, to get a good lead. But it was, there's always a possibility of being able to catch up to the person and either tie it or, uh, get, get to, um, 
uh, total of seven games that you play. Some, maybe you could have a blowout and just be done in four, but that didn't happen much. There were most of the matches that I saw um, were all close matches that were pretty much down to the wire to determine who would win to move on to the next round. I think sometimes it can work in your favor and sometimes it can work not in your favor, but that's a game that actually Dan owns at his house. So for me, it's always hard to play a game in a tournament that I own because as, as we all know, no two games shoot the same, <laughs> but at least it gives you legs up on a, on a game that is so dense with its rules as, as Avengers, it certainly, I would assume gave him a pretty big leg up on just rules knowledge. Yes. And the other thing too, is I did not do a great job in strategically picking games. There was times where I picked a game and I maybe should have got that one out of the way, not realizing that when he started playing, I go, Oh shoot, that's right. Dan owns Avengers. And I wasn't thinking, and uh, that's probably the thing that I had uh, struggled with was to be strategically uh, making the right decisions to pick games that would work for me better than my opponent. <laughs> and that's probably what caused me to not do as well as I wanted to. You're just to trying on. to psych him out, Mark. You're like, I'm so confident. <laughs> was, I'm going to choose it, your it home arena. Game. And then when you got smashed, you were <laughs> yeah. like, well, that did not work out. <laughs> no. And the funny thing is the games I picked, I I won on. And the games that he picked and I, or I deferred and did just second, uh, second player, I lost. So go figure. <laughs> That's pinball for you. You know, I always wonder, is it better in a tournament setting or like in league finals? Um, you know, we did a lot of that in, uh, um, where, you know, you pick the game or position. Is it better to pick the game you like and are good at or a game that you know your opponent hates and sucks at? Yeah, if I could do it over, I should have picked Paragon because that would have been a much more level playing field. But when I was seeing him practice it, he was he was playing it pretty well. So it, Dan, the bottom line is Dan played better than me and he deserved to win. That's the bottom line. I have no excuses to say I could have played better. I I just was not uh, I just wasn't as focused as he was. Hey, man, it's so. impressive just that you were there. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and you, why I was happy. And glory and the, honor the, the, to the spinner's leg. <laughs> Not all the glory and honor, yes. unfortunately. Someone else did that. And who would that be? Which, of course, is the, uh, the elephant in the room is the good news that came out of the Nevada State Championships is that Ted McGinty from Northern Nevada did win the Nevada State Championships. Hey so that's a huge success. Huge success for us. Go, Ted. And I do believe that uh, it sounds a little cocky, but I think the winner was coming from Northern Nevada. I think the, unfortunately, um, Ted and David met in the semifinals. And I do believe that the winner would have come from that group. They both were playing exceptionally well that day. It's not to take anything away from the Vegas players, but they just were feeling it. Every game they played, they were scoring monster scores on. And they they went to seven games in their match. To, to get to the the ultimate uh, championship game, which was Sean Stewart and Ted McGinty. And Ted McGinty took that in seven games. So that was a great finish, uh, a great result for us up here in Reno Pinball land. 
And the exciting news that comes from that is that means that the Nevada State Pinball Championship next year will be in Reno, Nevada. And that is huge news. Yes, that is awesome news. Got confirmed today that we will be hosting the Nevada State Championships next year. That's going to yes. be amazing. And we're going to definitely make it really fun beyond just what it is for the state championships. Yeah, right? one of my biggest disappointments, one of my biggest disappointments with going down to Vegas for the state championships was they didn't have any other like satellite events. There wasn't any other pinball tournaments while we were there. And it just felt like such a missed opportunity. It's like, we're here. Let's have, I mean, why are we not playing pinball all the time? Right. (laughs) So definitely I'm excited because we're going to have, I'm going to have a week of pinball tournaments basically, you know, and, and Dan, you, you know, that the collection of the people have up here, we we're going to have a bunch of games that are going to be, you know, available to be played in tournaments. And I'm really looking forward to really making this a destination pinball event next year for the, the Nevada state. You guys have a wonderful one, two punch. And it's that you have collectors with, with varied and outstanding collections (laughs) who are also into competitive pinball. And you, you often don't get both of those. I mean, you'll get collectors who are into competitive pinball, uh, but usually not at the level that you guys have some guys. So you guys are going to have some great venues and some outstanding opportunities to, uh, to, to show your stuff, which I'm sure that everyone's going to rise to the occasion. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait. Which means we're going to have a good variety of games of all eras, including EMs. Certainly going to be an EM. Go ahead and count your count it now, Mark. There will be an EM in the state. Speaking of of our regular games. (laughs) <laughs> yeah there may be five i mean maybe we'll do all ems hey there you go <laughs> just kidding there you go i would like that well as long as jeffrey's not in there then we're good <laughs> no everybody's really get playing well at, at, at the ems did he qualify? too did he go to state yeah jeffrey did qualify he was actually the number one qualifier but he did not attend the oh, state that's a shame man that dude's a badass he is. Yeah, the game collection yeah. selection, though, probably would not have catered very well to him. Like I said, I wasn't extremely excited about the game choices available. It definitely skewed new. There were three Jersey Jacks, three new Sterns, you know, a couple uh, DMD games. Paragon and Cybernaut were the only solid states. And there was no EM. I don't recall ever seeing him play like a really modern game, I guess. Maybe Attack from Mars. He can do it. You know, I mean, obviously he's a great player. Like he can run it up. So. That's true. What was the third Jersey Jack? Why am I not remembering it? Uh, Willy Wonka. Oh yeah. Willy Wonka. Thank you. That's right. You forgot Willy Wonka, but you remembered Toy Story. Toy Story is the new one. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka dialed in and Toy Story all, 4. All the lollers. Yep. Not much not much yep. imagination all, there. All the lollers. Yeah, it's imagination, actually. You needed a Guns N' Roses in there just to really throw everyone for a loop because nobody knows how to play that game. That game's yeah, great. We didn't want to play our that's game. True. Yeah, It'll keep you go. going. It will. Yeah. So it was awesome when Ted won. We all celebrated. We went to this really awesome Mexican restaurant. I still can't remember what it's called, but 
it was fun. We had margaritas and, uh, it was authentic Mexican food. And like Jim jokes about, you know, it didn't say authentic Mexican food. So we knew it was. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, yeah. It was fun. It was a good time. It really was great. And we, the one thing I have to give credit is that we did have a chance to practice a lot on the games before the tournament started. So we were getting familiar with the shots and the layout and, and how they were set. And most of it stayed the same. Some of the, some of the tilts were tight, but it wasn't like over tight. Um, games played pretty well. There, there weren't that many bro- that broke down. Um, there was one issue we had on no good gophers of, of the lock not working or something like that. Right, Jim? I can't remember exactly what that was. Yeah, it was, uh, you make a little orbit, which unlocks the lock shot and it wasn't counting the orbit. So you could never, uh, activate the lock shot, but that's, yeah, I'm not a hundred percent familiar with it either, but yeah, it was something of that. And he just played on, right? I think that was what the, the ruling was just, uh, on. no, the, no, it was not. That was not the ruling. Um, oh, oh, it wasn't. Okay. No. What was the ruling? Uh, the ruling was that he could choose to play on or they could open the game up, try and fix the switch, and then he could have one ball to add to a score. Okay. Okay, good. Glad you clarified that because I wasn't sure exactly and that's what, what he happened. chose to do. That's what he chose to do. He chose so they, to have it fixed? Yeah. So they ended that game basically, and then he added a ball to the end of his game. Okay. That's good. And did he, did he do well on that? Did he win in that one? No. I can't remember. No, no, okay. he lost that game, uh, which I think is, you know, I mean, you could have almost called because as soon as something like that happens, it kind of takes you out, you know, takes your mind out of the game. So it's, it's all for me, my experience is it's, it's hard to recover on that game from something that totally interrupts your flow and, and kind of breaks your, your game. It, it makes for mm-hmm. a hard, hard comeback. Right, right. Luckily, that was Teddy. So luckily, he uh, bounced back. And I think that was indeed that was game three of the finals, I believe. Okay. Well, I'm I commend Ted for not having that uh, take away his concentration and move on. I know if that happened to me, I probably it probably would break my concentration. And I probably just pretty much just self destruct after that. (laughs) So that's where Ted is really a good competitive player and he just knows how to train his mind to not let that upset him. Uh, and he moved on, which is awesome. And the other thing too, is, uh, Sean Stewart was the winner of the, uh, Nevada state championships in the past. So having Ted against the top person in Vegas was very fitting and it, uh, it, it worked out well for us here in Reno. Yeah. I believe Sean is the, uh, is a four-time Nevada state champ and he is, was the, was the reigning champ at the time. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now we took the trophy home here in our hometown, which is awesome. That is awesome. Um, so you secured the, the state championship for 2023, which is awesome. Congrats for that. Um, what else you have on the plate for growing, you know, tournament play or league or just growing pinball in Reno? Well, um, again, I do my Tuesday tournaments, uh, Tuesday pin brawl. I do, I won't say every Tuesday cause there'll be a few skipped weeks here and there, but for the most part we do a Tuesday pin brawl every, every, uh, 
every week. And then I do once a month, I do a tournament on Saturday. Um, starting in February, I skipped January because we were all gone at the state finals. Um, and I'll skip a few other months, uh, where, you know, it doesn't make sense. Like I'll probably skip May because we'll all be down at golden state for, for that. But yeah, so I do that tournament and that tournament's going to be interesting because we were doing a flipper frenzy tournament, uh, last year, but because of the way that the point calculation system changed, we won't be doing a flip frenzy tournament this year in, in 2023, but, uh, we use the software match play to do all of our tournaments and he's created a new, new t- tournament type where it's basically a round Robin. The only difference is it doesn't list all the games at once. So you just, you still, so it's, it's very much like a flipper frenzy. The only thing is it guarantees that you all play the same number of games because that's what was wrong or that's what has been changed with the flipper frenzy ruling is you need to play the same number of games. So we'll be testing that out in February. Hopefully it runs smooth and everything works out great because I really enjoyed the flipper frenzy tournament because it was more of a self-managed tournament. So it was one of the few tournaments in the year that, that, uh, I played that everybody got to play because, uh, just that that type of a tournament doesn't really necessarily need a tournament director walking around getting scores and such. So, so that hopefully this tournament goes just as smooth and then we'll move forward with that same tournament style for the rest of the year on our monthly tournaments. And I do that because it's much longer, right? So I'll do my Tuesday tournament. I like to be done. We start at about six and I like to be done about nine that gets people out, gets people back home so they can get to work the next day. The Saturdays go a little later. I usually start about a 12 o'clock and I try and get done by about five or six o'clock. Um, along with those two tournaments, the other things that I have going on is one thing that uh, I, you know, I'm in contact with, of course, the bartenders and the other people that work at Press Start. And what I hear from them is that people are intimidated to come and play on Tuesday nights. So I'm trying to get together what I'm calling a newcomers league where people can come in and maybe it's not even IFPA. Maybe it's just a small little tournament. It's just for fun, just to get people a feel for it. And I'm trying to get enough people to sign up for that. And my idea is that it would be almost more like a league. So they might sign up for six tournaments and we run those maybe every other Thursday or something. And and I figure, well, after that amount of time, then they should know if they're ready to move up to play in our standard IFPA tournament. Great. And then I would start at like another round of newcomers. And I just thought it might be a way for, for people to not feel intimidated by the group so far. And this is, this is a little bit, you know, pie in the sky out of my head idea right now, because right now I don't really have enough people to start it yet, but I'm hopefully going to get enough people in the future and I can start this newcomer pinball uh, tournament and, and and move pinball forward in that way. Yeah, like, like a rookies division. Like a rookies division. Yeah. Which is a great idea. I mean, honestly, your group is so friendly. I can't really see how anybody would be intimidated, but they have to be willing to stick a toe in the water. 
And so maybe if you just legitimately say to them, it's like, hey, this is, you know, all first timers, you know, first first year players, brand new, you know, brand new registrants. Maybe they have to have a certain amount of time played or something. Yeah, that's a great idea, you know, to help to help bring new people in. Yeah, it also helps on the director side because it's also someplace that I can put somebody who wants to learn how to be a tournament director, you know? So it's new players with somebody who's also trying to learn the ropes of tournament director. I don't know. Sticking the new director with the new people might be almost the opposite idea. Maybe give the new director the people who know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But then I got to do the new people. Well, you know, we can't always do what we want. Someone has to be be the grower, not the shower. You're like, no, I've earned these good people. I'm keeping them. (laughs) Right. That's right. I'm keeping my good people. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, you know, what I'm doing for pinball in in the the Reno area. And I think, and and to, to the point, you know, we've had new people every time. So it is literally just a type of person who is a little bit afraid because we do have a pretty welcoming group. And like I said, at $5, nobody should complain if they don't win because, you it, you know, I've, like I try and tell people, you know, I've, I've wasted $5 on a lot less fun things. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I mean, a cup of coffee is more than five bucks now. I mean, you know, uh, a Big Mac is more than five bucks. So, yeah, I mean, that's the funnest, cheapest entertainment. And you're looking at, what, three to four hours on a Tuesday night? Yeah, about three hours. That's about what league goes or used to go when I was in the capital quarter of pinball league. Dan, you guys still run about two to three hours on average on a, on a standard. No, we're a lot faster than that. We don't have you here flapping your lips. We just, <laughs> we just slide right through. There you it. go. Um, no, I, that's a great point actually is it's just like, we run into this question a lot is it's just like, why don't we charge more? You know, we charge 20 bucks for a season and that's six sessions and a playoff. And it's because when the stakes are low, you don't you don't feel like you have something on the line and you don't get too bitter. Like, you know, we have people who, you know, their competitive fire gets away from them. You know, hats get thrown and, uh, you know, legs get kicked and people get, you know, kindly reminded to calm the F down. But in general, I think that one of the interesting things about competitive pinball is while it is competitive, I think it's intensely social because when you're not playing, hopefully you're standing back and you're chatting with, you know, the other players in your group and, and, you know, you're not sitting there with a scowl on your face, you know, praying for your opponent to lose, which I call the Dan technique. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I've said competitive pinball makes me a terrible person because I, I want to see everybody win so much, but when they're playing against me, I just want you to lose so bad. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where, yeah, you know, I hope that everybody, you know, when I went to Reno, I think I popped in for just a random Tuesday night and, you know, I knew you, Jim, and I think, you know, Mark was probably there and he knew me and, you know, Jason, I know some people up in your guys's group, but like in general, you know, it couldn't have been a more welcoming group. And, you know, That's good when, when I, cause I think my very first one, I actually, you know, made a pretty good run at it and I had a pretty good finish. You know, everybody was very complimentary. Everybody was, was, you know, very glad to see somebody coming and win. It wasn't like, you know, I think to an extent, you know, we're talking about us versus them and blah, 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 blah. And maybe people think that it gets kind of clannish and it's really not. It's a very open environment full of people who just want to have fun. And not everybody's a professional pinball player. Like, you know, the, having the the state champ there 
you know, it might almost, you know, be intimidating and tell people, you know, meet Teddy and just realize that he's a, just a great big old goof who just kicks ass at pinball. You know, he's not captain competitive. I'm going to shut you down. You know, I've had him over to the house and, you know, me and him and Mark have played some games and, you know, yeah, he beat my ass at most of them, but I got him once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing is actually, it's a little bit of the opposite. It's almost now it's like, oh, well, I lost to Ted, but I was like, well, yeah, but you lost to the state champion, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's like, right. You know, that's right. It's, it doesn't, it almost doesn't feel as bad because you're like, oh, I get who he is now. <laughs> it's not. And when you beat him, so, you're like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. The first night, the first night, the first Tuesday after he won, it was, uh, whoever beats Ted test, Ted has to buy a beer all night. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> that's funny. He didn't lose one match. He's like, watch this kids. <laughs> It's like nobody's getting a free beer off me, man. Yeah, that's another but, prize I give. And for every tournament I ever do, anybody who the, the last place person always gets a free beer. That's cool. Well, shoot, man, I need to, I need to start taking idea. some pinball games on up in Reno. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. I watch beer. that group. Like Life don't hawk. get much better than this. <laughs> yeah, people hear this show up like fifty new people. They're going, "I really suck at pinball. Where's my free beer?" Um, <laughs> Maybe that's what's bringing forty people. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's right, Jim. It's been the spinner as lit all along. <laughs> all, 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 all sixty-one of enough. our Facebook followers. Actually, I think we might be up to sixty-five. Now we have sixty-five. All right, getting get, almost Please getting in the hundreds. People, eventually, people on our Facebook. Be an old use Facebook. Yeah, yeah, we'll do. We'll do. You know, yeah, what's funny about that is uh, I used to go when I was still living uh, north of Sacramento in the Chico area. We would take my two oldest kids who are grown now. And we would take them to uh, Chico Outlaw Games, who has a local farm club baseball. And the Chico team, because there wasn't a lot to do in Chico, really. It's a small town. And uh, so it was a lot of fun. It was inexpensive. It was very affordable for families to go. And I uh, talking with, you know, uh, guys in the club and like that, I was like, yeah, Chico's the only, only team that really does well. Like, you know, because people really appreciate having a, a baseball team in our little town to go see and enjoy in the summer. So the, the Reno team, the only night they do well is when they play on, it was like Mondays or Tuesdays because it was dollar beer night. I'm like, all right, well, you know, that gets them there. So... But anyway, back to pinball. No, that you know, it's um, it's like you know, having played in league and tournaments with Dan for several years, you know, it's it is competitive, but it's always a fun and and everybody cheers everybody on, no matter what. You know, it's always it's a low key thing, and I think that's when people discover that they go, oh, okay, it's not like it's competitive, but it's not like like super competitive. Like people aren't like getting angry or anything else. It's like, oh, this is a fun, laid back environment. And it became, and, and, and even more than the competitive, and I do miss that with the, with the league, is is just the social aspect, the friendships. And we all still keep in touch. Right. And that's what it is like in playing in tournaments. And uh, when we went down to Vegas, it's like I said, it's a huge family. And it's there's nothing more I look forward to than Tuesday night and seeing everybody and and playing pinball. It's it's always like, oh, I can't wait till work is done. I, I want to get out of here, especially with my class this year. It's like, oh yeah, this is a nice escape to to have fun. And and the thing is, you go in there and you're guaranteed to have those games working. And they work 
just as good as if it is somebody's private collection. And that's, you nailed it on the head. I think it was Spencer, you said it, or maybe it was Dan, but it's so true that those games play like they're a private collection. And uh, I know that, uh, Jim, you you also have a collection as well. But one thing I want to mention about Jim is he's not only great at running tournaments, but he has a huge talent in designing the graphics and the graphic arts for uh, Reno Pinball. He's designed shirts for us, and he does an amazing job restoring games from something that looks like it came out of a junkyard and making that basically look amazing and like brand new uh, when he's done restoring it. So uh, that's another thing you need to know about Jim. He's a great craftsman, and he even has his own shop. Um, If you want to talk more about that, Jim, that'd be great. Yeah, I have a uh, shop here. I call it Tilt Shop. And if you go to renopinball.com, there's a link that goes to my 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 page and my shop and games that I've worked on, games that I've restored. But, you know, mostly for me, um, you know, that's not what I consider a job as far as that goes. I'm, what I try and do is my goal is that if I can just make the restoration part of what I do pay for my shop, pay for this location and my collection to be available to play in tournaments and and to have parties here on Friday nights or whatever, then then I'm happy with that. So, so yeah, I've done, I mean, you name it, I've done a lot of uh, different kind of jobs, done a lot of playfield swaps, done a lot of uh, restoration. I one of my big jobs was I did a uh, an Atari Superman for a gentleman and sweet. It was totally beat up, and I had to do sanding, and I did a lot of repainting. I, I did a lot of airbrushing on the playfield. You know, down to clear coating. I have a, I have a graphic design background. I went to school for graphic design in uh, Seattle. So, so and I was a graphic des- professional graphic designer for fifteen years, uh, a lifetime ago or two. So, uh, you know, it's it's something that I enjoy. It's uh, it's what got me into the hobby. When I was, it was probably about two thousand and five, two thousand and six. I saw a picture online of this cool car that looked like a monster. And I thought, oh, that's neat. I'd like to have that, hang that in my garage or something. And and as the more research I did, I realized it was a pinball machine and it was a back glass for Nitro Ground Shaker. Ah, that's a that's badass and, back glass. And I and I thought, well, how cool is that? This is something that that I could actually own, you know, like at, at the time, at the time I was, I, it wasn't even on my radar that, Oh wow, this is actually something that I could own in my house. Um, and that's really what bit, what, how I got the, the bite to get into pinball was because of the art on that one single back class, which is interesting. So dumb, dumb question. Um, what was your first game? Was it a nitro ground shaker? It was not because I was raising three kids and I didn't have any money. So I had to start at the bottom. So my very first game was a, a big Indian. Nice. Yeah. That Excellent. was a basket that came in like six containers. <laughs> and it was uh, $50, $50 out of somebody's shed. And my, my whole goal at the time was, well, I'll just fix this up. And then I'll try and trade up, right? I'll fix this up, sell it, or trade it for something that's a little better, and and, and try and get my way up to it to one nice good game. And uh, and that my, my background, if, as far as a hobby goes, would be 
uh, automotive and motorcycle work. I've built several Volkswagens. I'm a Volkswagen. I'm an air cooled guy. So I built several motorcycles and I've built several Volkswagens from the ground up. And I got to the age where I was looking for a hobby where I didn't have to crawl around in the oil all weekend. <laughs> but, ah, pinballs are cool. I can work on them inside. It could be air conditioned or it can be heated. I'm not going to smell like oil at the end of my day. So I b- got this old EM pinball machine and I literally knew nothing. But it wasn't daunting to me because of my background. And I think the great thing about an EM pinball machine is you don't even have to know what or what those relays do. You just have to know that it's supposed to do this when it's in one position and it's supposed to do this when it's in the other opposite position. And if you make every single relay, just do that. You're going to have a pretty good chance that it works. Well, no matter where you started, right, in pinball, nobody knew anything at first. Right. We've we've all started somewhere. I started with a WPC and it was the same thing. Uh, My buddy Will, who is a mechanic, just literally said, it's like, look, there's nothing on this thing that's broken that we can't fix. We just can't be afraid to go in there and do it. And if you're going to own one of these, you better know your way around it. Yeah, that's for you sure. You better learn to solder, boy. <laughs> so that's, that's how my collection started was I just got one game and then I fixed it up. And then I, 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 what I found real quickly was that pinball machines are lonely and they don't like to be alone. Pinball machines always like to have a friend pinball machine to be with them. So I ended up not getting rid of it for a while and getting another game. And I got, you know, uh, tried to move up. I got a System 11 game. I got a Road Kings that I needed to do a full place to field restore on. And that was my second game. And what year would you say you got up. into it? Thankfully, about 2004, 2005. Oh, so right around the same time I did. And I never played pinball before that. When I would go... Here in Reno, if you're not familiar with with how casinos work, is they all had have an arcade in them, something for the kids to do while the parents spend money. So when I was a kid, I'd ride my bike down to Harrah's Arcade, and I'd walk right by the pinball machines because I knew that they, I had I had three dollars, and if I played Donkey Kong, I could play three dollars for most of the night. And if I played pinball, I'd have to leave in five minutes. <laughs> I was That's afraid so of those pinball machines, so. I never played it as a kid. Literally seeing that art on Nitro Ground Shaker is what started my, launched me off into the world of pinball. And now, thankfully, I do own a Nitro Ground Shaker because <laughs> that would be a sad ending to that story if I hadn't known one of those. But yes, yeah, so thankfully I do own that game now and I'm pretty happy about that. And it's a fantastic game. That would be a great game to have in our Nevada State Championships. That would be a great one. But yeah, it's really fun to play. And uh it's good rule set and uh love those spinners yeah i've got a pretty diverse collection of my own i try and span all the eras i have several ems and several uh solid states i think my favorite somebody once i think i saw a thing uh, what two years if you could only pick two years of pinball which two years would they be and mine would definitely be probably 79 80 i love my viking and my uh countdown and uh nitro ground shaker that, that that's definitely my era and that'd be a really good like show real topic football. jim we'll have to bring you back for it yeah yeah, yeah. It's really interesting thought. if you can only pick two years you can have pinballs from two consecutive years and that's it those are the only pinball machines you can have which two years would you pick that's a good one so what's your favorite game ah it's like my favorite child right i could give you a favorite game from different eras 
but I don't think you could compare a Jurassic Park premium to say a. Well, which one gets you right just, now? Which one gets me right now? I have to say, I always come back to it, and it's Alien Star. Nice, nice, and it's because it's got one thing to do. It's really simple. It's really hard, and it feels so good when you do it. I'm good answer. A, I'm getting a chubby. I, I know exactly <laughs> what you're saying. This is pinball porn. Rip that spinner. We were we were playing uh, to warm up last night. You know, before we went off to uh, to league, we were playing Alien Star over at George's house, and yeah, just how how great of a game, right? In fact, I yeah. think the first time I ever hung out uh, with the the Reno pinball guys, we were playing Alien Star. Mike. Uh, Mike Huntsman, of course, had to describe how to play the world's simplest game in minute detail. <laughs> he's, he's a teacher. He is. He is. Yeah, but, you know, then there's games that I think get a bad rap. Like, I, I for some, whatever reason, I have a weird love for the Data East games. One pinball machine that I had that I loved, I don't have it anymore, but I had the, uh, the old Data East Jurassic Park. And now I have a uh, last action hero, which I feel like is the the last one, the one they threw everything at. You know what? I'm and a humongous so fan of last fun. action so hero. Yeah, it's yeah, so good. Fun. I think if you look at the release schedule, like that was what they released opposite Twilight Zone. So they had to go out of their minds, you know, six balls and shakers and magnets and laser kickers and cranes and licensed music and just every everything that they could do. And I actually like the movie too, so that's just a personal yeah. defect of mine. But it's one of the few, one of the few good movies. I've good been down. Game. I've been down the last action hero uh, road a couple times. I, I, I buy it and I, I play it and I feel like I played it out and I get rid of it and I'm always like, ah, oh, I really want to hear that really terrible rendition of Queensrÿche again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lord of the Rings holds a special place kind of in my heart and in my pinball history because I, I, I was just knocking the ball around and then I went somewhere, again, some, some arcade in a casino and they had a Lord of the Rings. And that was a game that I played and it was the very, very first time that it clicked in my head, oh, this game wants me to actually do something. This game actually wants me to, to complete a task instead of just banging the ball around. So for that, I, I own a Lord of the Rings, a very nice Lord of the Rings, and I have that one basically for that reason. It's, it's kind of that, that, it's that touchstone for me that, that, oh, pinball is more than, just, more than just a ball. It's about doing something. You know the game that gave me that epiphany? You mentioned it earlier. was Jurassic Park by Dave East. It was the first yeah. time I ever realized, oh, there's rules. Like I'm yeah. supposed to like do this and do that and hit this to start that. And then I do this and I play a part of the movie. Plus, yeah. I think it was the first game I remember that had a ball saver. So that really helped. <laughs> well, it was the first game that I played that had its great trick was easy to do. Like you could get you could get it pretty quickly into the dinosaur's mouth and you're like, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. That was so cool. And it like ate the ball and then all of a sudden the ball just disappeared. I don't think like games do that really as well it. nowadays. I don't think games give you their cool trick easy enough the first time anymore well, besides, like, besides oh, yeah. godzilla like what was the last game to have a big super crazy mechanical feature like could you imagine if they did the cannon from black rose on a modern game people would lose their minds oh, and black rose was a so throwaway amazing. game in like 1992 yeah like yeah i mean the on the new jurassic park is pretty amazing it's fine but it doesn't it's not a patch on the original one 
because it doesn't yeah. swallow the ball. It just sort of grabs it and sort of shakes it around. And it I mean, I do around. love that it'll like whip it across the uh, the play field sometimes, but generally it just sort of dribbles it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Old, the it's old the boys are have the coolest, setting, and you could tell in the 90s that yeah, they were in sure. an arms war to come up with the biggest, fanciest mechanism. And Data East, for all of their woes, they did such a great job with the toys. Oh, they made some great games. They did a lot of exciting they things, did. you know, big license themes, big license music. I mean, they brought us Star Wars, you know, they brought us right. Batman. Yeah. Think about R2-D2, that's better than the topper. Right. That was in the left side. Oh, yeah. Way of game. I still, I still miss Lethal Weapon 3 and, and Royal Rumble, and I still love both those games. Royal Rumble is a fantastic Royal game. Royal Rumble is fantastic, great. and, you know, yeah. uh, Tales from the Crypt is an amazing game just all around. Yeah. Royal so, Rumble yeah. might be one of the most underrated games ever made, just because oh, of yeah. the WWF yeah. theme. Yeah. There's a lot in that game. So is the the... Uh, Data or Data East Guns N' Roses. They packed a lot in those it games. It had tons of snakes and naked chicks on it. Well, there you go. What more do you need? Not man? much. <laughs> no, Dan, you bring up such a great point, though. It's like they're doing great stuff with pinball today, but there's something... I, I, I felt like this, too. Like, you know, I love all the new games, but I guess with, with a few exceptions like Godzilla, you know, where they went, damn, now they're doing something with that game. But I was still like, yeah, but, you know, it... There was so they much. recycle ideas. Well, they do. That's the they do. And then, you know, and that's one thing, and I won't get too much into it tonight, but watching the gameplay video of Scooby Doo, um, it looks like, a, you know, they're really trying some new stuff. Like, all right, guys, you know, nothing, nothing super over the top, but oh, I haven't seen that before. You know, that's cool. All right. Yeah, that bookcase flipper is, that's that book, unique. That's unique. It's different. It's thinking outside the box. Like, bravo, gentlemen, you know? Um, yeah, and that's I'd like to see more of that. Like, um, oh gosh, like the first time, uh, you know, the first time you played uh, Getaway, you know, and you get the ball or two or three balls up in that supercharger, and you're just like, yeah, man, this is oh, that's the best. Yeah, I love that exactly. You know, we're the the sinking ship on the Stern Pirates of the Caribbean. Love sinking that thing. You know. Well, I think the one thing that I found that has the wow factor for me recently is Godzilla. I mean, that, that climax of when the building collapses and the balls get released, that's super cool. But really when I could think about it, I, I mean, guardians is kind of cool how Groot shoots the balls out, but that's kind of like, you know, what we've seen before with uh fun house and, right. you know, there's just certain things that I don't, I don't see anything like unique to the point of that wow factor of, of, max that i wish i could see in games and i don't know it's just because the bill of materials is too expensive or they just want to produce as many games as possible and just leave that out um i was listening to an interview with john borg um on one of the podcasts and uh it was really interesting about what he was going to do with monsters that they took out with the clock with the raven where the raven was actually going to grab the balls and then it would release it one, uh, one by one as the Raven came out of the cuckoo clock. So I yeah. think they're very um, averse that was, that was Mark, to doing anything that might not work or yeah, it won't work true. really well, like on location. And Cause like we talked about earlier, cause there's almost yeah. no doubt that games now have the most sophisticated software that they've ever had 
maybe almost to their detriment, but I mean, you know, they're, they're incomprehensibly deep and they shoot amazingly, you know, games like rush and, and all the Elwins so far, uh, they really, really shoot well, but even Jersey Jack has gone away, you know, from kind of the debacle of, of pirates of the Caribbean, where they just couldn't get those games working as right as they needed to work. And they were just taking a pounding from everybody on every, every angle. I think they just want to make things that are safe, that are going to work when they get to people's houses, because the people don't have the patience and the technical expertise that the ops had. And I'm not saying ops were patient for things to not work, but they understood that they would probably have to tweak them. So it's sad, but at least every once in a while, you know, we get a big mechanism like a pirate ship or like, you know, the Godzilla building. And, uh, or like the Scooby-Doo schlong flippers, you know, so hopefully, uh, we'll continue to see more exciting, uh, more exciting new features now that they've kind of dialed back the production somewhat and they're, they're focusing on making hopefully less better games versus more cookie cutter games. Right. Good point. And the thing that I found, uh, is there, there, you still have that wow factor in some games you do, um, but yeah, I'm waiting for somebody to come up with an innovative mech that's never been done before. Now, Spooky is starting to do it. I mean, they have the the ball locks in the apron. That's unique. And they did do the uh, the lifters for the Halloween where you have no clue where the ball is coming from. Well, what, what would an innovative <laughs> um, mech that's never been yeah. done before do? It would just manipulate yeah. the ball, True. right? I mean, you know, if you go True. to some yeah. games like, you know, Pinball Magic, Right. Like that yeah. game, that game yeah. is wonderful at, at the manipulating the ball, you know, and, and giving you cool things to shoot at, but it's not really a great game. It's just right. cool exactly. to watch the ball do things on, yeah. you know, yeah. then you look at something like Iron Maiden, right? Iron Maiden's basically got nothing to it. I guess you can kind of on the premium count the, the weird little like secret passage that the ball goes into sarcophagus lock. Yeah. yeah. But it, it doesn't really have any fancy toys. It's just, you know, a great shooting, great rules, great art. It just does everything well. I would rather have an Iron Maiden than a pinball magic unless I was a filthy casual because the filthy casual just wants to see the toy golf. And they want to, and I I was that guy once, man. I would plug 50 cents into Adam's family because I just wanted to see thing reach out and grab the ball. And grab the ball. Every time I saw that happen, you know, as a, as a, probably like a 15 year old kid, I was just like, that is the coolest thing. I can't believe that, you know, some genius thought of putting that in a pinball machine. I think what blew me away for me, as far as the wow factor was Rudy talking. Yeah, Rudy was, and watching we were the talking ball. about that. At, watching the ball was just creepy, but so We were talking cool. about that last night at league for, for 1990s technology, 1990 technology. In fact, like you could tell that the, just the genius that was, you know, in that building at the time to take Rudy and just with, you know, if you've ever seen inside Rudy, there's not really a whole lot to it, but just right. to program it. So it's so lifelike and so smart and integrate it so well with the gameplay like, you know, that's still one of the coolest toys in the history of pinball. And I don't think it's, you know, I don't know. I don't think it'll ever be equaled. Although it would have been cool if Data East managed to make the Alfred E. Newman that they were thinking about doing for Mad. That would have yeah. been dope. Yeah, that would have been dope. 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That would have been amazing. Um, you know, it's really funny as you talk about Godzilla. You know, I'll do Metallica. This is how weird I am. The stuff that most people really go after, I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But then there's the minor stuff that I go, now that's really cool. I like that better. The uh, On Godzilla, uh, the villain is cool, but it's not what does it for me. It's it's the Mecha Godzilla. I know it sounds odd. And then like the Metallica Premium and LA, Metallica Premium or LE, it's not the hammer that does it for me. It's the cross that raises when you get uh, – with cemetery multi-ball i love that oh yeah yeah that that's the one that where i just get so excited when that cross the lights come on the strobes and the cross raises up i'm like fuck yeah there's so, supposed yeah, to be yeah, a way to add cool. that to your pro i've heard I that know if i would yeah, spend like the hundreds of dollars that it no doubt costs but oh that would be cool yeah. Well, you like with the spinners, you can add the spinners to the pro too. You know, I have those, but I've never done it because I think it's going to fundamentally change the gameplay too much because they don't work like they yeah, work on the premium. Pro. Yeah, I did that to yeah. my pro, and you have to decide where you're going to tie the points into. Yeah, someone says you best. It's best to do it on like the the pick shot, the stand up by the ram. <clears throat> That's the best way to do it because of the sound because it's the drum yeah. sound so you get the rolling drum sound which is a very cool sound but the problem is then when you want on that game was not to get too deep in the woods but i did do that to my metallica and uh, the problem is then it becomes so easy to get that pick lock to do the add a ball on the snake multi-ball because all you got to do is hit the spinner i will i will have to talk to you about this more jim because i've i've been looking at those things for over <laughs> a year and just being like ah. Should I do this? Should I not do this? I really want them. Yeah. I will admit, I really want them. <laughs> Real quick thought. Will that affect the uh, linked Metallica gameplay? Who cares? I don't know. I just <laughs> no, asked. I don't, well, I don't see what? how it would affect the linked Metallica gameplay. Since you're no. not playing for points in that case, you're just playing to kick your opponent right in the nuts. That's oh, you know, I, I can't wait till that happens again. I want to play that so bad. That was so much fun. I want to. I want to see people go without sleep to play that thing for three straight days. Yeah. <laughs> yup. It's so fun. It just, it's like when's the last time you slept, man? I don't know what 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 day is it. It's like you've been here for two straight days. You can go get a shower and eat something. Um, and we're only 106 days away. So, oh, I can't wait. It's so good. It's coming down. Um. We're coming up on on the hour 30 mark, which is usually where we try to cut it off because we do a three and a half hour show. People like people curse at us and send hate Good. mail. I love hate mail. Um, send your hate I, mail you do, to actually. the spinner is lit at what's our gmail.com. And before yeah. we wrap it up, just, you know, please interact with us on Facebook. <laughs> We're trying really hard to establish yeah. that do some reviews on itunes i know it sounds like shameless begging from the uh you know like every podcast does but you know we're working really hard to bring you guys uh, a quality product although it is free entertainment so don't think we're too good but uh, yeah unlike disney we're still free yeah so free. yeah <laughs> and easy we are free <laughs> yep free and easy <laughs> So, yeah, thank you for bringing that up, Dan. That, yeah, just give us a shout-out, man. Go on to our, you know, go on to our little Facebook page, say hi, give us a shout-out. Um, Jim, you got anything else you want to throw out there? 
I'll just say uh, thanks for having me on. It was a joy to be here, talk to you guys about pinball for a little while. And if anybody's interested in what I've got going on, if you go to Reno Pinball, R-E-N-O-P-I-N-B-A-L-L.com, you can see links there to all of my tournament information, um, some old streams that we used to do that I'd like to do again. And there's a link in there to my merchandise. If you want to rep Reno Pinball, you can wear us. And a link to my Tilt Shop page. So just uh, renopinball.com. Uh, and we hope to see you at tournaments in the future. All right, how do they find Press Start? Press Start is uh, pressstartreno.com. And the best place to look if you're, you know, I try and update the pinball map application um, on your phone. So uh, anytime I bring a game in or pull a game out, I always keep my the pinball map page updated. That's the best place to make sure you know exactly what, what games are available to be played there. It's right next to Brothers Barbecue. You can't miss it. Right next to Brothers Barbecue, right down the street from the Wild Orchid. And yeah, yeah, always always <laughs> check us out because we always talk about Reno Pinball. Uh, we talk about Mark's latest exploits. You know, we talk about the cool things you guys are doing. We talk about what's going on at Press Start because uh, well, we I definitely, uh, we used to be a Northern California podcast, but now we're a Northern California, Reno, Wyoming podcast. <laughs> Which is awesome. And it's neat because Spencer is trying to grow pinball there. And we're growing and we started off real small at the beginning. I remember when we started just doing tournaments and, and league, we only had like 12, 16 people at the most. And, and now it's leaps and bounds. And that's because like Jim said, during this whole podcast, uh, the tournament format really works really well because then people don't have to be committed to coming six weeks or seven weeks in a row. And I'm just trying to run pinball into the ground here in Northern California and it just won't die. I don't know. You're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah, you're doing oh, a great job. Ground? Thanks. And like I said, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're doing it. Just keep running it keep into going. the ground. I, I, all I hear is bad things. Good job. We do. We do what we can. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an easy job either. So for everybody who runs a league or uh, organizes a tournament, has a location, has, you know, has a game night at their house, my hat's off to you because it's never easy. Do, do do a podcast, you know. Um, I bounce, you know, off my, my co-host because it's much easier for me. I've done solo shows. It is really hard. Um, but even doing it with a group, it's not easy. It's It takes uh, – uh, we make it sound easy-ish, but it's not. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, so – um, well, we're going to go ahead and start taking us out. Jim Martin, thank you again for coming on the show. And you got to have you back again soon. And, uh, you know, keep us posted on what's going on in Reno, even though Mark does too. But, yeah, we, we can talk a lot more about all kinds of pinball stuff. Um, Mark, why don't you uh, give us thank you shout-outs? Well, I want to give a shout-out. Jim, thanks for being on the show. Uh, thanks for everything you do. I know we spoke a lot about you here on the show, but I can't thank you enough. And thanks to all the the new players that come and learn the game, learn the uh, tournament strategy, and uh, having fun at the same time and coming back. So if you're listening and you're a new pinball player, thank you so much for for trying it out and sticking with it. And some of you who may be listening on a regular basis, uh, you started off at the beginning uh, as a novice and you're starting to really improve in your skills. So keep that up and eventually we can beat Ted and Jeffrey. 
Aim high, America. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, what, what you got? Hey, for big us? thanks to you guys as always. Uh, you know, it's a pleasure to do this with you guys. Huge thanks to Jim for everything he does out there in Reno and for uh, joining us tonight. Uh, as always, thanks to the CCPL, Mark, uh, David, the other David. Um, you know, you guys are, are keeping pinball going here uh, up in our area. And to everybody who plays uh, in arcades, plays at our events, owns machines, buys parts, whatever it takes, you know, let's just keep pinball alive. I like it. Yeah, no, that's um, keeping pinball alive. That's what I've been trying to do to keep my games alive. I had <laughs> two down. Fixed, got one fixed, and then another one went down. Got the parts last night, so we'll get it going. But, um, hey, we just got an Aerosmith in the bowling alley down the street from the house. They, so they added a second game, Jurassic Park, and now the Aerosmith. She pumping quarters into them. Maybe they'll add a third. Um, um, maybe they will. I don't, that would be nice. That wouldn't suck. So, you know, we're getting it going. So, um, yeah, I just had a lot going on, you know, you on the plate lately. But um, so I changed the name. Of the studio from the dungeon, because that sounded like Dan brought it. Sounds a little creepy, man. It really does. So I'm in my basement uh, in my house in Casper, Wyoming, and I I picked up on eBay an old. It's actually a reproduction, but it looks like an original. Um, a Fallout Shelter sign from back, you know, back in the day when I was a kid. Uh, in the seventies, you would always see these on like public buildings, like courthouses and stuff like that. Oh, it's a fallout shelter. And back in the days of the cold war, they would have these everywhere. And they would, they would actually have like food and blankets and water and stuff stored for natural disasters or like in case of a nuclear attack. So I've got that. I'll, I'll post the picture on the Facebook page. I've got that to the entrance to the basement. Now I've got that sign on, on the wall. And so now it's the fallout shelter recording studio. And uh, sounds a little more family friendly, I think. But uh, my shout outs to you guys always, man, for making the show what it is. I mean, it's the three, it's the three of us, the three caballeros who make the show. And and to all the people who listen around the world, yes, we even have listeners in in the Soviet Union, Russia, um, all over the place, man, Canada, Australia. So to all of you folks that listen and support what we do, go on our Facebook page, say something. Give us a review, even if it sucks. Um, thank you to Jim for coming on the show tonight. I want to shout out to three of our uh, uh, good friends and listeners, Adam Holder, Eric Seifert, and Mark Sparky Malmberg, who've been uh, posting stuff lately on the channel. Oh, and also Shannon, Shizzy Nene. Shout out to you, brother. Um, yeah, you can you can reach us on our Facebook page, Spinners Lit. Um Backslash forward slash. I don't know, man. I'm. It's just going to Facebook. Go spinners lit. Uh, email us at the spinners. I am professional. As spinners lit at gmail dot com is our email address. Um, our flagship where you can find us is at uh, SoundCloud, and we're also on iTunes. And um, again, you know, from uh, uh, from the home base at uh, Casper, Wyoming, at the Fallout Shelter Recording Studios. This has been episode 53 of the Spinners Lit Pinball Podcast. And uh, let's take us out, boys. Play pinball. Keep, Keep America, America strong. strong.